for me, success is just waking up every day and liking what I'm doing, liking the people I'm doing it with, not having to worry for money, you know, and obviously health is a part of that and family, but you know, it's not like an X dollar amount that I got rid of a long time ago. It's really just going to bed the night before and, you know, like looking forward to the next day. That for me is success just right now and what I'm doing. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host as always on this little journey I like to call a podcast over here, Yona Weiss. Great to have you joining us today, you listeners, you out there. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You're driving the car, whatever you're doing on your jog. And today we got an awesome guest. So I'm really excited to introduce Jonathan Farber from who knows where. I don't know. He's somewhere in Colombia right now, but he's an awesome guy doing awesome stuff. And I'm not just saying that. We'll, we'll get into some of those awesome things very shortly. But before we do, John, what is going on? How are you doing today? I'm excited to be here, man. This is long overdue and... I've been following your journey for a while, been very envious of what you've been doing on social media, man. And it's just, it's cool to see how you've taken your brand to another level, but I'm doing good. I'm in Colombia right now, been traveling for almost two years now. And yeah, Colombia, the country, not the state, but I'm here with some entrepreneurs. We've got a little creator house and we're having some fun. So happy to be here. Well, good for you. I mean, listen, guys, if you don't know who Jonathan is, he he's a real estate investor. Okay. But when I say he's a real estate investor, he's doing it on a different level than most people like would even imagine is possible. And how he's done that, I'm really interested to kind of dig into that a little bit more today. But he owns a bunch of short-term rentals, talked a lot about that, and basically was doing that while working full-time for a corporate technology sales company. And he was very successful at that, but wasn't enjoying it and was able to quit the rat race, as they call it, and go full-time into real estate, which really means full-time living life, however he decides to do it in Colombia, remotely, whatever he's doing, literally financial freedom as, uh, as everyone looks forward to. So mm. at the age of 27, so let's let's just jump right into that. I mean, you started investing with uh, with something called house hacking, right? And we've talked about that in the show before. Why don't you tell us about how house hacking works? You're still doing it today, right? To, to a certain extent. House hacking is what I still think is one of the best ways for beginners to get started or people that are just looking to get closer to financial freedom in a short period of time. And I define financial freedom as just your cost of living being covered by passive investments. And there's a scale of active versus passive, but if you can make income on the side from investments and your cost of living is lower, you can bridge that gap a lot sooner. So house hacking is great because house hacking, short version of it is you buy a property that because you live in it, the banks and basically Fannie and Freddie Mac, the government, they back these loans, they support these loans that enable people to put very little money down. And when you put very little money down, it's easier for people to get started one. But then two, what like makes it the full house hacking strategy is you can rent out the other rooms or units. And by doing that, you can either live for free or in a lot of cases now, what we're seeing with people that do 30 night minimum Airbnbs in the other parts of the property, they're actually being paid to live. So for most people, there's tons of stats on it out there. I'm kind of a finance and financial freedom nerd, obviously, but 
for most people, their two biggest expenses in life are their house and their car. So if you can figure out ways to offset those and actually flip them on your balance sheet from maybe an expense to a profit driver, you have just made a 60 or 70% leap in a direction that most people never think about doing their entire life. So that's why house hacking is effective and powerful. And you can get those low money down loans. You can buy a property with 5% down, do the house hack strategy once a year for a couple of years until you max out your lendability or debt to income, which a bank can tell you. But that's why it's such a powerful strategy because you can remove a huge expense. You can learn about real estate you can get tax write-offs and you're in the game. And for a lot of people, I kind of call it training wheels for real estate because you can start and you don't need a ton of experience, but you're in the game and you know not a lot can go wrong on a house hack if you do a little bit of research. So that's why I like it. That's what I recommend for a lot of people who are looking to get started. And yeah, that's how I got started in real estate. I house hacked three times. My first three properties when I was 22, 23, and 24. And then the last one was a quadplex that you know was kind of the home run of house hacking. And that's how I got into the game. And I've kept all those properties as rentals, converted some of them into furnished rentals and Airbnbs, and some of them have stayed traditional rentals. But it was a great start into real estate that I think a lot of beginners can model or blueprint. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it obviously does depend on the the market you're in, right? Certain places are not necessarily conducive to having those type of arrangements. But but even if you're doing it, especially if you're young and you're single, like you were, renting out rooms, you know, buy a four or five bedroom house and renting out those rooms to cover the mortgage and your living expenses just seems like such a, like you said, an accelerator to that financial freedom. Yeah. And what most people do is the exact opposite. They get out of college, maybe take a nice starting job, and then they start racking up all these expenses that don't make any sense. But it's because it's what we're told to do. It's what society has kind of ingrained in us. And it's keeping up with the Joneses. And it's what ultimately I found looking back at my job. It's what the employers and sales managers really want you to do. Mm -hmm. They want you to get into a hole so that you come to work motivated every day and you need to work to make your car payment, house payment, credit card payment. But you know they're not going to tell you to lean out your expenses. Otherwise, you might lose motivation. So most people, they get in all this debt. They have these very high costs of living to kind of quote unquote experience life 22 to 25. And ultimately, I think that's completely flipped. I think if you sacrifice just for a few years out of college, and I'm not talking about like living in a hut, I'm talking about small life sacrifices that for most people in the world, that would not even be a sacrifice. But because we live in this US kind of materialistic bubble, it feels like a huge sacrifice, but it's not. But if you do it that way, then you flip the whole retirement sacrifice thing that if you just do it a little on the front end, then you could have 30, 40, 50, 60 years of quote unquote financial freedom, where most people, they can't make that sacrifice work 50, 60 years, and then they have to retire in a place that isn't nearly as good. So that's why it's really powerful. Yeah. Let's talk about, I'd love to talk about some of those things you're talking about. Obviously we all can live more frugally and, and be more conscious of how we're spending our money and things like that. But before I do, I forgot to mention and we'll just give a little plug right here. This is a little uh, segue is you're also the host of an awesome podcast called Millennial Millionaires Real Estate. It's an incredible podcast. If you guys are listening to this, check it out. Go subscribe to that and hear um, awesome stories and awesome guests who are millennials a lot of the time. But John just talking about his story as well and a lot of great insights. Yeah, as we were talking about before, you know, it's a great way to meet people. And that was my whole MO at the beginning of podcasting 
I read a book, which maybe I'll save for the end for the final four, but a book that really encouraged me to start podcasting and other people to start building a brand, raising money, meeting people. And I just went full force into it. I started doing a daily podcast, didn't care that no one was listening, but I was getting a lot out of it because I was meeting all these people that I looked up to and I was building relationships with them. Some of them became partners, mentors, and then other people just good friends that now I have today. So yeah, I mean, if people want to check out the podcast, great. No pressure. You know, it's it's a real estate podcast. It's cool. But you know, I think it's more the learning that I got. If I was restarting and wanted to blow up my network and meet a lot of people, and I tell people a lot of times now that are looking to do like Airbnb management or co-hosting for other people, the best way to meet landlords, you know, just like me and you do, to meet our potential clients is by interviewing them and showing them that we're legit, professional, you know, and having a dialogue. And I think that's a great way for people to, you know, make relationships in 2021 because people are busy and you know, picking someone's brain or virtual coffee, it's a little less enticing than asking someone. To come on your podcast. So that's how I think about podcasting now. Yes, you know, I love to put it out there and we get it out. That's all good. But you know, it's it's a real estate podcast. But I, you know, it's <laughs> it's cool and it's fun. It's great to meet people. It is. It is a lot. I mean, that's really the main thing. I mean, as everyone knows who's ever listened to any of these podcasts, you'll know that all of the guests, without maybe one exception in the 200 episodes or so that we've released, are people that I know, people I have relationships with, or people that I want to get to know a little better. And so it makes the conversation a little more better, makes it a little more natural, and it creates or, or develops that relationship already. So I appreciate you coming on the show, John, and to our listeners to realize this is really more, you know, I try to keep it as natural as possible. This isn't an artificial conversation over here. We're just we're just kind of recording a conversation, putting it up on the, on the Buzzsprout or whatever, and, and everyone else gets to listen to it. Love it. Yeah, man. It's a great way to just... Also, I, I use it sometimes selfishly to just catch up with friends and too much time has passed. And I'm like, you know what? People are interested in this. Let's just record it and we can release it like a podcast. And it's it's me and a friend that's also doing flips or wholesales. And we're just catching up. Oh, what's working for you? What's not? Right. You know, what's exciting right now? Other people want to hear that too. And you know, I think again, it doesn't have to be like a stressful or high pressure thing. You know, it's it can be fun. And I think a lot of people could get value in starting one or, you know, kind of getting into the podcast world. Yeah. So something you've talked about a lot and and I've learned from you just from your social media and from your uh, podcast is you talk a lot about virtual assistants or VAs, as people like to call them, and, and building that. It's something that I've struggled with, I, I guess trying, but not trying hard enough to actually implement and and bring on board. I mean, did you have, maybe it's just me, but did you have like challenges, like hiring people and oh, yeah. finding the right people? Like, how do you do that? Like that, I think for me, that's the biggest deterrent for me to actually follow through with that. You know, there's not a lot of great content on virtual assistants out there that I've found and I've researched a lot of it and read a lot of virtual assistant books. I don't think books are the best way to learn about virtual assistants personally. I think it would be better video-based. But it's a huge challenge, especially for, I think, a lot of high achievers that are in a nice way control freaks because they've worked really hard to build something. <laughs> they've worked really hard to build something. They've put a lot of time into it. They've built a brand and image. And if you have a virtual assistant doing posts for you or copywriting, and there's all these typos and these mistakes, it can be a huge stop button at the beginning and a deterrent for people that don't want to use leverage. So for me, I have a couple of core philosophies of virtual assistants. And, and just for context, right now, we have about 10 full-time virtual assistants that are doing cold calling, texting. They post all of our content. They do all of our editing. They do all of our Airbnb guest management. They do community management for their paid communities. And you know, basically, 
it really was gradual. You know, it was one of those things that I look at. It's like, start with one, start with one task, start with the most simple task that you don't like doing that can be done from a computer or a phone. And that's really the criteria. Anything that can be done on a computer or a phone can be handled by someone. Now, Yona, what you might get value in is I've been experimenting more with um, different talent pools that aren't like your traditional, what you see on TikTok and YouTube is, you know, $3 an hour virtual VAs in the Philippines, which there you have a high learning curve if you don't have training process. But what I've been actually doing now, we've been hiring some stay-at-home military moms. We find them in Facebook groups. They're just work from home moms or, you know, like stay-at-home house moms. You know, I, I hope that's politically correct to say that's what they say. And you know, they're just looking for more virtual work. If it's messaging people on Instagram, if it's editing things, if it's posting content, you know, that you just give them and they're American, they're not looking to make a ton of money because, you know, they know that this is kind of low wage labor and they're reliable. So we've been experimenting with some of them to do Airbnb guest management during the day. We still have an overnight VA who's in the Philippines that we trained and, you know, she has all our training and stuff, but We've been experimenting with that because we did find that there were some jobs that there were just social norms and kind of communication styles that VAs out of the country weren't able to necessarily pick up. And no matter how much training gave them. But anyway, I guess back to like, you know, how someone could take action with this or how maybe you can is, you know, it's just we found it to be find one task and get very clear on what our process was for doing it. And what we also like with that is by defining the process, you find improvements in your own process. And then you can also hand it off to someone and then they can use it. And then also what we do is we sell our processes. It turns into paid education and courses. So we got that from Michael Hyatt that every single thing he does, he's an awesome productivity writer. Every single process he does, he turns into training that he sells as a course or a book, but it's also the same training that he uses for his employees himself, just to kind of checklist manifesto his own life. You know, if any of you guys haven't read that book, it's it's kind of, I like to think about it like it's the reason, you know, pilots and surgeons, they still go through a checklist. It's not because they haven't done it a lot of times. It's just, it's easy. You can shut your mind off and you just don't have to think. So I like to just think of everything we do in a process. I like, I saw a good Henry Ford documentary and it was like, a car isn't complicated. It's just like 12,000 steps done in the right order. And I was like, I like that. You know, like everyone tries to make things complicated, but you can just break out the steps. And once you do that, you can make a post on Upwork or Fiverr or Freelancer. We really like online jobs pH. It's a high quality talent pool. There's a little bit of a cost. It's $49 a month, but we find great talent on there. And also if we find someone great, they typically know other great people that can be referrals to do other things. And then the way that we track everything is we have a project management tool. We use Notion. It's like a glorified to-do list, project management list. And then we communicate on Slack. And for me, we're just always trying to improve the system. One thing I would say for anyone starting out VAs, they need a lot of training at the beginning. We have a policy. Ask any question you want in the first 30 days. There's no stupid questions. We give you all the training, but never hesitate to reach out. After 30 days, the first thought should be to look it up in the process guide or the training. And if it's not covered in there, ask us and we'll add it. And if you're continuing to ask things that are covered in the training, then we've now adopted, I would say, a what used to be a weakness for us, we fire quickly. We used to keep on bad people. And that's where I think a lot of people get in trouble with hiring and employees and VAs. It was a soft spot for me. I didn't like firing people. But ultimately, all the great companies have to do that. And you need to keep the engine moving with qualified, capable people. So my advice, start small, build a process, outline your steps, and then you can always scale and find more people. But I'd say in 2021, 
scaling a business where you want to, you know, keep your time and quality of life, leverage is a must. Without it, you know, you might be doing things that you're not good at or you don't like doing and it could kind of bottleneck your business. Absolutely. And 2022 going forward. It's true. We got <laughs> a new year coming. Why? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. When this episode will be released also, by the way. But okay. no, <laughs> it's all about taking action. I love the fact that you kind of broke it down with the, the Henry Ford example of just having actionable steps and in the right order and creating those processes. I think I'm the kind of over glorified, you know, kind of self-ingrandized person that you mentioned at the beginning <laughs> that is a little bit you know, hesitant to let someone else kind of take over my image or my brand for certain, uh, for good reasons, obviously. But you know, those are things that I, you know, I really need to let go in order to grow, especially I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be more active involved in, in investing and looking into buying uh, my first Airbnb property, something I'm actively looking at right now. So that's something I'm like, I need to do this. You know, Yona, one thing that really helped me was realizing one, that there are people that love to do the things that I hate doing. Mm -hmm. I was really naive to the fact that if I don't like doing it, it means everyone doesn't like doing it completely flawed thinking where there are people that they love scraping data. They love cold texting. They actually like cold calling. I don't like doing any of those things. But if I were to ask them to do a presentation in front of 200 people, words wouldn't come out of their mouth. And if I was to ask them to design processes and come up with goals for the company and things like that, they wouldn't do that. So that actually helped us in a couple of ways, just have that mindset shift. But then it helped us grow because these people were better and they liked doing the things that we weren't doing. They weren't getting done because we didn't like doing them mm -hmm. and we weren't good at doing them. So it just prevented us you know, completely. And then there's all the sayings, you know, done is better than perfect and you know, all that, whatever you need to do it. But ultimately for me, you know, what I think about is anything that I need my face, my voice, building relationships, and in some cases doing sales, those are things that I don't know if I can outsource all the other stuff operationally. I think there are ways with outsourcing. Also, you may have had him on the show, but Bailey Kramer, he's helped us a lot with Zapier. It's mm -hmm. an amazing automation tool that moves data around a lot of our workflows for us that we were using VAs to do. And now we've kind of repurposed those VAs for other things because we use now some more automation to kind of do stuff. But it's tough, man. You know, like any perfectionist and high-level business person, you know, is going to have trouble with it. But you know, there's there comes a time. Absolutely. Now you talked about uh, kind of in passing some of your paid communities. What 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 is that? What's going on there with a paid yeah. community? So okay, I think this is like a natural progression for people that go down this you know investing in social media world. That people are curious how you're doing, what you're doing, and I guess I never really liked the idea of like being a coach or coaching for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I was kind of like. A little negative on it from seeing some really like schemey, like scummy type of like gurus and coaches out there that I didn't think were even doing the work and just charging really high ticket and not getting great results. So I was a little like against it, but enough people were asking me. So, but my whole thing on is scale. You know, I, I don't, I can't scale one on one coaching. I don't like the concept of trading time for money. I, you know, I'm a true millennial in the sense that I, I have fear of commitment. I do calls only one day a week. You know, I do not want calls in my calendar. I just, if it gives me anxiety, you know, Hey, maybe I'm weak for it, but it just, you know, luckily we can design our own lives. I don't like it. So for me, I wanted to see what were the most scalable ways to either put out content or educate people that were one 
low cost, two, effective, and then three, let people on my team step in and maybe help with some of the training. So we just launched this one. And my whole thing, Yona, is multiple streams of income. You know, right now I have 22 streams of income. My goal is to get that every quarter, you know, three or four more. If it's another product, another property, another course, whatever. But ultimately for me, this was just one that I thought was pretty kind of cool to get started. It was $15 a month for beginner investors. It's access to all the tools I use and it's I'm not promoting it here. It's just it, for people that actually want to start a community, I think it's a cool way. If you have a brand, it's a way that you can build. I like it because it's reoccurring income. Every month, you know, think about it. We have about 360 people that are paying me $15 a month just on auto bill. And you know, I do trainings in there and we do like a lot of accountability groups and stuff like that. But my point is I like it as a model for other content creators as a way to add an income stream and also help people that isn't crazy expensive. You know, it's not a $10,000, $20,000 course. It's for beginners. And I think it's priced that way. So we have a free community that is really good for networking. But you know, this was one that I think I didn't see a lot of people doing. I saw a lot of people with high ticket. And I thought this would be kind of a cool way to start another community and help beginners. So that's what that is. Point to take from that is if you're listening and you're a brand or a content creator or an investor, I think it's a really cool way to maybe undercut some of the high ticket people and make, I would say, fairly passive reoccurring income. You know, it's not bad. So that's what that community is. But you know, there's a couple others, and you know, we just try to help people and add value. Right. Awesome. And I love that you're doing it in so many different ways. I mean, there it's it's incredible because it just shows you know, like you're you're talking about scaling the whole time, right? It's about all about finding the processes, scaling, right? Building something, putting in another process, scaling that, and just uh, integrating all of it together. So, yeah. Uh, I, I got one more weird one on that too. You might, you'll get a kick out of this and the audience too. Like I was struggling with content creation and organizing it. People on the outside might think like, no, you're not struggling with content creation. You're putting it, but I didn't like that. It wasn't leveraged. I felt like it was unorganized and it was too dependent on me. So I actually hired this girl who who is actually my ex-girlfriend and she's great at this stuff and she's been cranking it. She does all our Instagram, TikTok and Facebook and I guess that's where like I always come back to with anyone that's stuck or curious like it's either the wrong person, you know, for the role or they don't have enough direction in the role. But she had enough direction, she likes doing it and now she's cranking it, you know, and it's not weird at all that she's my ex, but it's just cool, you know, and it's just She's been doing a great job with it. But I guess back to the point of like, that's driving the brand and it's leveraged, you know, because she will take a YouTube video and cut it up into 20 pieces of content. Before it was one piece of content, it wasn't leveraged. I didn't like it. So you can amplify everything you're doing if you get automation and the right people in place, you know, and it, it's not easy, but it's worth taking the time to learn about. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Practically speaking, I don't know about any other people listening to this, but personally, I can take leverage some of these tools myself, which is kind of the whole point of the conversation here. Uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, I think now it's as time flies, we're, we're going to transition now what we like to call the final four. And so these are four questions I ask all my guests. First question for you, what is the worst job that you ever had? I remember this so vividly. It was a quote unquote internship where I was doing cold calling for this tech company, they gave me no direction. They just gave me literally a stack of phone numbers and names to call. No direction, nothing to say on the phones. They were just like, yeah, like this is our product line. Like watch some YouTube videos on cold calling and like do it. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I was calling on my cell phone. The whole thing was garbage. And yeah, I ended up kind of quitting like like a couple of weeks ago, but it was horrible. And it really, it motivated me to one, get better at sales. 
that, that was my takeaway from it. And also too, that like, I did not want to work for this type of person ever again. But yeah, that was the worst. I remember the first day I got there, I showed up in like a suit and they had me like unpacking boxes. I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> the whole thing was hilarious though. And yeah, I look back and like laugh at it, but uh, it was pretty rough at the time. All the other jobs I had, I started working at 13, like I liked, and you know, I, I made money and it was all good. But that one, that was in college. That sucked. Oh, that's horrible. But you learn, you know, you learn the lessons and that's really the most important part, right? Yeah. You got to try. The second question, what's a book you you've read and you probably alluded to this earlier that has given you a paradigm shift? Uh, I used to be such an, a book nerd. I would read a book a week. I was, you know, I actually read a lot less now because I find I learn better otherwise, but the book I will say is um, Joe Fairless's best ever apartment syndication guide. Not for the reason that people might think, you know, someone might be listening to this and they're like, oh, I'm not an apartment syndicator. Forget that. Joe is the best system builder of anyone that I, I may have like seen published stuff in business. He does what we talked about before of breaking everything down into just a series of steps. And then when I had the chance to work kind of with him, I saw that even more of just like everything is a process. There's nothing complicated that can't be figured out. It's just designing the steps. And if it's going to be, okay, what are the 15 steps to picking an Airbnb market? Or what's our 12-step process for training a new you know, manager? Whatever it is, um, that's what that book really taught me. And it was it's an inspirational book too, but it's really like a handbook. It's like a textbook. And that hit me at the right time. And that book just really helped me. The, only, the other one is my favorite book of all time, but it's just more like kind of overarching. That's four-hour work week. You could have guessed. Yeah. But but Joe's book is amazing. Yeah. They're both great. I recommend yeah, both. Got it right here. It's uh... Oh, there we go. And yeah. you got a bookmark in it. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, right there. It, definitely. I mean, I've, I've gone through this a couple of times. I think that's an incredible takeaway from that book. One of the other things that I thought you were going to say, which he really is excellent at as well, which kind of he's known for is about building a brand. And and that book talks so much about that and about having a thought leadership platform and, and building the brand. And I think that's the biggest thing I took away from the book, you know, but the process is you can see that clearly it is, it is a textbook and it's, it reads like that step-by-step -step guide to everything. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that. what I was, I forget what I was referring to before. I was like, I'll come back to it later. That book is the reason I started the podcast. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. So that makes sense. that is brand building and, you know, like, it's just a great book. It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's cool that you have it right there. It's just a great <laughs> book and you could take a lot from it. Yeah. You sitting right on my desk with a few other books here. Third question. What is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Uh, right now, there's like two, but the main one is scaling and hiring employees and structuring incentives for them to want to work hard, but not but also to not want to leave. I don't see a lot of good content on there. Like I'm, I'm fascinated by how Grant Cardone can build a sales staff while his whole brand is don't work for someone, you know, invest. But somehow he has incented people that want to work for me. He's, he's hired and he's trained and he's recruited people that want that. And we've had a couple of challenges candidly lately where people have become really interested in the content that I'm putting out and they want to go and do it on their own. And for me, I'm trying to manage our internal development with people that get excited about seeing what we're doing and they're listening to the advice that I'm giving. But you know, we're trying to retain talent. So I'm really uh, deep diving how to build incentives and financial structures and companies to keep hungry, ambitious, bright people coming to the list, but that don't also want to leave as soon as they get trained to start their own thing. That's 
been challenging and I just don't see a lot of content on there about that. So I've been reaching out to tons of mentors and asking people with companies how they do that. And you know, we're we're we have a structure now that's been working better, but you know, I'm I'm really trying to get better at that. All right. Awesome. Yeah. I know Gary V uh, talks about that quite a bit. He does. Uh, he, does. <laughs> he does. He, he's got a great concept on it of like, well, how do you expect your employees to want right. it as bad as you if they're not making as much as you, you know, like, and that's fair, you know, like I had to learn that it's just, it's not taught, but he's, he's the best. Like he's, I just love his stuff. You said there was a second thing that you're trying to, to learn right now. Spanish or is that there? No, is that third Spanish thing? is third. <laughs> what, what the other part is, is like, I think there's a big gap right now in like business and real estate of like reasonably priced bookkeepers and accountants. And all my real estate friends complain about this. And I'm in that bucket too. You know, I had someone had a very bad experience with them. They're actually a very well-known person, but I just did not have a good experience with them. And bookkeeper, I finally found someone from my community, but like it wasn't something that thought there was already a solution for at a decent price point. You know, you can maybe get a great solution. So for me right now, I'm like learning about if it's something that we need to do better internally and maybe hire someone that works for us, or we just find better people uh, outside to do it. So that's just something that's been like more top of mind because I don't know, it just, I had such a bad experience with this last person, but you know, it is what it is. I hear that. It could be, I mean, just kind of coupling with what you've been talking about earlier. I mean, I have a, an accountant that I work with sends me a lot of a lot of business for Costag, and he has a whole team of virtual accountants that you know they understand accounting. He has managers, you know, he trains. They understand accounting, but they live formally. He pays them, you know, a fraction of the cost of what it would cost uh, anything else. But again, it might just be you know coming up with a solution like that, similar to the <laughs> similar to the the previous things we were talking about. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I'm glad you said that. Fourth and final question: What does success mean to you? Oh, it's changed a lot. Right now, what it means for me is is feeling good, waking up, doing whatever you're doing every day, and energized about it, and and having things to look forward to. I think that's a part of it too. Because for me now, like every day is the same. Like a Saturday and a Tuesday are the exact same day to me. I do the same thing every day. You know, I just schedule my calls the same day. So for me, success is just waking up every day and liking what I'm doing, liking the people I'm doing it with, not having to worry for money, you know, and obviously health is a part of that and family, but you know, it's not like an X dollar amount that I got rid of a long time ago. It's really just going to bed the night before and, you know, like looking forward to the next day. That for me is success just right now and what I'm doing. Okay. Well said. Awesome. Yeah. And, and where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? What's the best way? I would say right now, the best way is probably Instagram, John J. Farb, J-O-N-J-F-A-R-B. We do have a website, same thing. You just Google Jonathan Farber Real Estate, you'll find it. The name doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, that's it. Also, actually, I would say YouTube. We're really trying to add as much value as we can on YouTube. And that's another income stream on it. Like if you, I don't know if you're putting these on YouTube yet, but YouTube AdSense is a whole fascinating beast in itself that you can make a lot of passive income from way more than you can just podcasting. I, I, like I'm learning all about it, but I would say Instagram, John J. Farb or YouTube, just Jonathan Farber, real estate or Jonathan Farber, Airbnb. And anyone that checks out my stuff on YouTube, pretty much every video, we do a, a free giveaway, either an Airbnb analysis tool, 
a property management tool, a furniture list. All you need to do to get one of those is just drop a comment and subscribe to the channel and just send me a screenshot and we send you a little tool. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We're trying to grow those. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm happily subscribed to that. I've definitely seen a couple of those videos and uh, good stuff. I can, I can vouch for it. Check it out. YouTube. We'll put the links in the show notes. And uh, one of these days we'll get uh, Weiss advice up on YouTube as well. <laughs> one of these days. You'll be surprised, man. One of these days, probably gonna, it's going to be done by a virtual assistant. That's for sure. Not me. Best answer. John, it's been a tremendous pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got to do this and great to catch up and glad to see you doing uh, amazing things. Yona, you the man. Best of luck with everything. Continued success and happy new year. Thank you. And uh, to all our listeners, thanks for joining all the way till the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.